Amen. All right, get your Bibles out. Let's go. Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6. Y'all ready? Amen. Let's go. Somebody say, let's go. Let's go with God. He said, who will go? I will go. Say, I will go. Let's go. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Sermon on the Mount. We're continuing on here. If you remember, I believe the heart of the Sermon on the Mount is where he began in the Beatitudes, the eight Beatitudes, which we went over weeks ago. Um, these eight character traits, these virtues, I want to ask you again, are you growing in them? Are you growing in those eight Beatitudes? Don't tune those out. Go back to Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 and following and start asking yourself, am I growing in God's Word, in God's Beatitudes? Amen? They are the central part of the Sermon on the Mount. And then after, Matthew, after that part in the Beatitudes, we started looking at the six temptations, the things that come at us that we've got to resist. Now today, we're finally starting back in Matthew, we're going into Matthew chapter 6. We're done with the temptations. We're going to start on these five kingdom activities that we have to pursue. And that's where we are today. Jesus' teaching here is so straightforward that we should not need a lot of discussion on these five things. He doesn't give us a lot of life examples here because they are so straightforward. Jesus is a great teacher. The Holy Spirit's name is teacher, and he did not give us a lot to elaborate here on these five things that I'm going to go into because they are self-explanatory. Okay? Just go with me. You're going to see it for yourself. So, there's these six negatives that we resist. We've just finished a couple weeks ago. And the five positives that we're going to pursue that will help us cultivate these eight beatitudes, these eight virtues in our life. Now, if y'all will, will, let's stand up together and let me read the word over you. This is the gospel, Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. If you've got your Bibles out, get them out. And let's read together. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Verse 2. So when you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Verse 3. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Father, in Jesus' name, let your word come alive in our hearts. We just ask for an awakening of our spirit right now, that we would be good ground, that whatever thorns, whatever rocks, whatever stony ground may be in our hearts, Lord, we just submit it to you to cultivate that. We just lay that on the potter's wheel for you to mold. Mold us, Lord. I feel like that the potter is waiting to mold. As we were singing, and I'm just going to pray and preach as I pray, as we were singing all to us, the Lord is saying, let me mold you. Let me have you. My hands are gentle. My hands are full of love. They are full of protection. They will guide you the right way. Let me mold you. Father, mold us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. 
I want you to pay close attention today, and I'm going to try to go quickly because i got a lot to cover. If I can't get done, we'll just kind of chop it in half. It's a good thing about doing series is I don't have to get in a huge hurry, but I do like to finish. I like to start in a place and finish, and I want to finish today uh, what I'd set forth, but if I can't, I just won't. Um, we need to pay close attention to, to how, how many times Jesus references rewards. Jesus references eternal rewards. Why? As motivation. He wants us to know what's available. Amen? And rewards are not, all, are not our only motivation but they are part of our biblical motivation. This is Jesus' teaching. And I want to experience, and I hope that you want to experience, all the rewards God has for you. I want them all. And I'm not selfish. I'm not after selfish gain. I'm after what God wants for me. And you know what God wants for me? His rewards. Well, okay. Then I want that. And I'm not going to be ashamed for wanting it. Verse 4, let's look at it again. That your charitable deed may be in secret, and your Father, everybody say, who sees. Who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. The first thing here in verse 4, the first thing here in chapter 6 that he emphasizes is charitable deeds. And there are actually two different activities combined here in one phrase. There are deeds, there are acts of service, but not all of them have a financial connection to where there's a charity dimension. Sometimes it's giving money. Later on in verse 19 and 20 of the same chapter, he reemphasizes the giving of money. To the purposes of God, but these deeds sometimes are done in mercy, and sometimes they do have a financial connection to them. We can do these deeds in our home, in our neighborhood, in the marketplace. You know, some of these deeds can be done in discipleship by having three or four people over to your home and try to pour into them, let them pour into you. Those are charitable deeds. How many of you know charitable deeds have been done towards you, whether they were financial or not? That's what God's talking about. Not just an outreach to the poor, but deeds or active services based in mercy or charity. And sometimes having to do with money. Listen, Jesus goes into money on the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to go into money. Money is not bad. The love of money is bad. Money's not bad. Money's not bad for the preacher to talk about giving. Why? Because God has a plan for your giving. Why would we want to be robbed of that? I don't want to be robbed of, of a blessing that God has for me. So go ahead and leave your, leave your, yeah, I'm wanting to say that, but that's not hard enough. Let, let's leave, um, can we leave our feelings at the door and accept fact? We live by feelings, and it's wrong. We need to live by fact. What does God's Word say about it? Not how do I feel about it. I'm not going to make my decisions based how I feel about it, because most of the time I won't do it. Why? Because we don't feel like it. Well, what difference does that make? 
I got responsibilities. God has responsibilities. I'm glad it's not necessarily based on his feeling, but I will tell you his giving, his rewards is based on his feelings. It's based on how he feels when we follow his word. He wants to respond with rewards. And part of that goes through our giving. Okay, good. Let's keep going. Matthew chapter 6. Look here. It says, when you pray, your Father will reward you openly. When you forgive men their trespasses, he will respond. Now, you've got to read that in context. He says, when you forgive men their trespasses. If you don't know, we're going to be going right into the Lord's Prayer. It's right here. But about two minutes earlier in the sermon, back in chapter 5, verse 44, Jesus talked about how we need to forgive. But not just forgive, forgive our enemies. Those people who mean bad toward us. Those are the ones we need to forgive. But not just forgive them, but bless them. Pray for them. Turn, do a 180 with your heart toward him. Not only canceling the debt, but blessing them. Because in larger context, just a few moments earlier, Jesus ties forgiving our enemies to blessing our enemies. They're tied together. You keep on going, verse 17. We're kind of just going quickly here. When you fast, verse 18 says, your father will reward you openly. Then in verse 19 and 20, Jesus emphasizes the place of financial giving. And he makes a great dynamic statement. And the statement, church, is to be taken literally. He says, if you give money in this age, it will be exchanged for treasure in the age to come. Literal treasure. This is real. This is not some little poem you give a dollar, you give a hundred dollars, you give a million dollars. Every dollar you invest in the kingdom, God remembers it. And God multiplies it in this life, and he again multiplies it far greater in the age to come. Church, do you believe God's word? Believe his word about your money. No matter how you're giving it to the youth, to the building program, to missionaries. You, God does not forget one dollar that you give. And he multiplies it today and tomorrow. And let me tell you, the exchange rate on your money in the kingdom is high. If you've ever gone overseas and had to exchange money, it's not a fun scene. And then you exchange it back and you get it stuck to you again. Well, let me tell you, when you go and exchange money with God, you don't get that exchange rate. You get kingdom exchange rate. And it's good. God promises it to be good here on earth and eternally. I think we're going to be shocked when we're standing before the throne and God remembers what we gave. And you know what? He generously rewards He doesn't just reward, he rewards generously. Well, he's so rich. And he's so good. He's so kind and he is so committed to you. He's committed to you. He loves us. 
And it's going to blow our minds when we see what our little offerings in this age, how they translate in the age to come. And when I think of these five activities, these five are highlighted strategically for reasons that only Jesus understands. And they're so simple. They're so simple that everyone can do them. It doesn't matter your education. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter what struggles you've had up till now. It doesn't matter your financial situation. It doesn't matter. These you can do. You say, I've only got just a few cents to put in the offering. I just got a couple dollars to put in the offering. What did the lady with the two mites? God said, that'll work. I can work with that. Why? Because God looks at your heart, not at the amount. He looks at your heart. It's remarkable. Our acts of service are small, these small deeds, and they don't take much time, the money we give, the time we give. Most of it's small, but you know what? It helps people, and it does matter. And listen to me, it moves God. It says that he's watching And he rewards. What happens? We move according to his word. God moves. We cause all of heaven to move. I need God to move. I need God to move. You know, today, um, it's kind of a a bittersweet day. I've got to go straight from here to McMinnville and preach my grandmother's funeral. And I'm, I'm great. She's great. She, her and her husband, my grandfather, Granny and Pa, have been really the, the patriarch and the matriarch of our spiritual walk. And, you know, it's the end of an era, but it's a great day. She is, she's, had, she's had macular degeneration. She's had problems with her back. Um, she's not hurting anymore. I know if anyone's in heaven, she's in heaven. If anybody's going to make it, she will make it. But uh, I don't know where I was going with that. I don't know. You can keep saying it. I've just drawn a complete blank. Um, But I want you to know all of heaven's rejoicing. And what I'm trying to say is, is that God's heart is towards you right now. Right now. With all the hell that you're facing... God's heart is towards you right now. You say, Pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. He does. He knows exactly. And he's ready. He is ready to help. He's a rewarder. He wants to move. When you move, he wants to move. And not only move, but show you how much he loves you by blessing you. God's eyes are on me. That's what we see. And you know, sometimes we start to falter realizing God's watching. Now, I want you to notice throughout chapter 6, it says that he's watching. Not so that he can pound us. Not so that he can judge us. Keep reading Matthew chapter 6. It says he sees so that he can reward us. What happens when we walk our walk out here and we start to stumble, we start, start realizing that he's watching us and we let our guard down. Do you know if I know he's watching, I'm going to respond differently? 
And do you know who's talking about these rewards? And do you know who's talking about that God's watching? It's Jesus. Jesus is trying to get us to grab hold of the fact that the Father is watching so that he can reward you. He wants to reward you. And these things that we do in our life, we can do them in our home. We can do them with our family. Me serving my family and my wife and my kids and being there for them is acts of service. I am following God's word by leading my family. You men can follow God's word by standing up and taking your rightful place as the man of the house, the spiritual head of the house, and lead them into salvation. That is biblical. That is the part of the man. When the man gets Jesus, the whole household comes along with it. When the man doesn't, the whole household struggles. That's free. That wasn't part of my message at all. It's kingdom deeds. But when I serve my family, God notices and he responds with rewards. I don't have to go on a missions trip to this. I got a missions trip at home. Don't you? Feels like a missions trip sometimes, doesn't it? Amen. But you know what happens is, as I start to do these five things, it draws me into dialogue with God. Why? Because these five things that you're going to see aren't going to come natural to me. I've got to make a choice. And when I make a choice to do God's word, you know what it does? It brings me closer to him. I start dialoguing with God because I need help. God, I wouldn't normally pray for my enemies. Help me pray for my enemies. God says, ooh, I'm glad you're here. Let's talk for just a minute. Let's bless your enemy, but now let's talk about you. i got some blessings for you. I want dialogue. So he's watching. Why? Because it moves God. And then he multiplies what I did. And then I interact more with God. And then he responds generously to me as I do these things. Even though our offerings are little, even though our deeds are few and far between, even though my fasting is pathetic. How many of you feel like sometimes your fasting is pathetic? God says, two mites, that's all it took. You know what? Your heart may not have been exactly right. You're trying to fast. It may not be all that you think it is, but it's enough. All it takes is a mustard seed to get me to move. All it takes is your heart to just move a little. And I'll move. What you're doing, God sees it. And it draws us closer to him. God doesn't love us more. These things don't cause us to love us more. But can you see that when we follow his word, he sees and he responds. What happens is I experience God more. He doesn't love me more. He loves me just the same. But he responds out of my move. Why? Because he has to. It's his word. It's not just that. It's who he is. This whole thing, these five things, this Sermon on the Mount is to get you in contact with God, moving with him and watching him respond and him watching you respond and then us watching him respond and him watching us respond. And here we go. We have relationship. He's watching He's watching. They don't earn us the love of God. God loved us while we were his enemy. He loved us when we never thought of him. But our capacity to experience God is increased. And when we move, God is moved. 
It's like moving your cold heart before the bonfire of God's presence. We just get in just a little bit closer. Can you feel that? We do experience more. You may say, Pastor, I don't know that that's scriptural that we experience more. Well, I want you to turn. If you've got your Bibles, James chapter 4, verse 6. Powerful verse. He gives more grace. And more grace means a greater experience in the grace that is available. And he gives it to, some, he gives it to a group of people. The humble. Say humble. That's who he gives it to. There's no greater description of humility than here in the Sermon on the Mount. It's the response of humility that Jesus gives more grace to experience more of his presence. Look here, James chapter 4. He gives more grace. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. What does that mean? It means I can experience more. You want more of God? Draw near to him. How do you draw near to him? Obey him. Find out his word. Walk this thing out. He will respond. He has to. I think, I think church is so easy to just let it just be a Sunday thing and not, not have any effect over your life. That is the biggest bunch of bull that I've ever heard in my life. That is not what Jesus died on the cross for for a one-hour time a week to come in here and have a good time and feel good about yourself and think you can do the rest of the stuff that you're doing the rest of your life. That's not the gospel at all. Go out of here different and stay different and keep walking. Let this be a small part. Church ought to be the small part of your walk with Christ. We're in here so little. It's not enough. God's bigger than our one hour. I don't, I don't fear going to do my grandmother's funeral because I got God with me. It's sad, but it's great. I've got my whole family. If I'm going to mess up, I'd rather mess up in front of my family. They love me. Most of them. <laughs> Pete's back there. I love you too, Pete. God is with me. God is with you. God is with you. These eight Beatitudes, which are the centerpiece of this message, these five activities, those, those six temptations, these deeds, these blessings, our giving of money, these all flow through the eight Beatitudes. As we fulfill these five kingdom activities, we are fulfilling the Beatitudes. We're not separating one from the other. They all flow together. If I could summarize chapter 6, Jesus gives us five simple exhortations, and each of these exhortations are straightforward. What is it? Fast, pray, forgive, bless, and give. Fast, pray, forgive, bless, and give. Like I said, those don't come naturally. But they're so straightforward. So, as we look here at chapter 1 through 4, and I'm, I'm trying to go quickly. I'm not going as quick as I'd like to. He gives us two warnings. Two warnings. I want you to catch this today. Warning number one, when you pray, when you fast, when you give, don't draw attention to yourself. It told us, we've already read it, that if you do, 
that little bit of response and that pat on the back is the only reward you'll get. Well, let me tell you, I need more than that reward. I don't want to come in here and say, I just gave 100 bucks to Avery Trace. Isn't that great? Man, I didn't have it either, and I just gave Avery, Tra- Avery Trace $100, and, you know, I, I think I did really good today. You did do good. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you so much for giving. That's it. Wait a minute. I needed that seed to come up. Shut your mouth. Give. Don't let the right hand know what the left hand's doing. Give. Let that seed do its own thing. It's in God's hands. You don't have to help it. You can dance over it. You can shandile over it. You can sing songs. You can, you can sit on it like a duck would sit on an egg. Does a duck sit on an egg? And you can try your best to make that seed do what it needs to do. Only God can do that. We sit on our seed and think we're going to make a difference. No, let God have it. Move on. Go find somewhere else to give again. You can't outgive God. You're going to hear that in the next few weeks. You can't do it. When you're fasting, don't draw attention to yourself. When you're giving, don't draw attention to yourself about how generous you are. You know how many times Jesus says it right here in this message? Eight times. Where else does Jesus make that point over and over and over? Make a point over and over and over. Eight times. Don't draw attention to yourself. Is it important? Jesus is saying it's important. You know what he's trying to do? He's trying to say, here's the instructions and here's what not to do. So don't do it. He doesn't give us just one warning. He gives us a promise. And he says the promise over and over. My father will reward you. My father will reward you. He's watching and he will respond generously. We look at these five simple activities and remember the warning, don't draw attention to myself and know that God is watching very intensively and he is very generous and he will respond every time in his timing. Everybody say in his timing. You can't always measure it especially in the short time frame, but Jesus says, I promise my Father is watching and he will respond. One warning, one promise repeated over and over and over. Matthew 6, 2. Maybe I'll stop right here at the warning. Don't sound a trumpet as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets. Don't sound a trumpet as the hypocrites or the Pharisees do in the synagogues. Or at worship or prayer services. And in the streets, out in public. That they may have glory from men. Jesus says, when you do these things, don't sound the trumpet. Don't do it in the church. Don't do it in the corporate gatherings. Don't do it when you're on the street, in the mall, in the workplace. Kind of sounds like uh, Dr. Seuss. His word doesn't sound like Dr. Seuss. I sound like Dr. Seuss. I don't. Don't do it. Don't do it in the town, don't do it in the, whatever, okay. Don't draw attention to how passionate you are for God, how anointed, how smart, how dedicated. Do it before God's eyes, don't do it before man's. If you're that passionate about God, it will show itself. You'll know it. I don't have to hear it. 
In fact, I'd rather see it than hear it. We hear things a lot. We see things few. Let's flip that. Let's do. You're going to know me by, by my love, by my expression. Our natural tendency is to blow the trumpet. We like to be able to blow the trumpet, but do it subtly to where it doesn't really look like we're blowing the trumpet. But we do. God says, don't do it. Don't draw attention to yourself. Now, the promise. Matthew 6. God sees. He's attentive. He responds with generosity. What happens when I think no one's watching? I pray less. I fast less. I give less. Then God says, here I am. And I'm like, oh yeah. So what do I do? I re-up. And I give more. And I fast more. And I sign back up. Jesus is the one. You know it's Jesus who reveals God as Father. But he's also revealing the Father as a rewarder. And so many times people get to the place where they think, you know what, I'm not going to do it for the rewards. I'm just going to do it because it's good. God, you don't have to give me anything. I'm just going to do it because, because I love you and I just want to serve you. Jesus is saying, wait a minute. Don't rob the Father of him showing his love for you. Don't rob the Father of him showing how he feels about what you're doing. Jesus says, I find it important. You find it important. I desire the rewards of the Lord. There is a cause and effect. I give, I get from God. I sow, I reap. I pour myself out, I come closer to the Lord, and I experience more. We give, he returns. He multiplies it. If y'all will just allow me, I'm just going to close right here. And, uh, and it's only due to what I've got. I've got a uh, visitation started at 10. And um, I've got to preach at 3. And I'm not done. God is so good. He's a rewarder. And you know, if you move, if your motivation is because you have a need, if your motivation is because you're in a place that you need those rewards, I want to tell you that's okay. What will happen is, is that God will start to meet your need and your need and your desire and you looking to the rewards all the time will start to fade and the Lord will get your heart. But Jesus shows us who the Father is and how he wants to reward, so you'll respond. If you're only responding because of your need, you know that woman with the two mites gave out of her need. She had nothing but gave out of her need. You know what the Lord says? The Lord says, I will, she will be remembered forever. What she did right there is far greater than what the rich people ever put in. She gave out of her heart. I respond to that. So if you're here today and you're just in need, you know what? Come to God. Come to the Lord. It's not selfish. He is your need meter. All of a sudden, the stars are aligning. 
the kingdom, the planets are aligning. You have a need, he's here to meet it. You have a financial need, God wants to meet it. It'll be in his timing, it'll be in his way. It won't be the way that you think it will be. It won't be a million dollars showing up in your bank account. No, God will meet your need. But you got to respond. Maybe you're here and you just want to respond out of love. Maybe you want to respond out of hurt. Maybe you've been hurt. You know what the Lord says? I just want you to respond just how you are. But you got to respond. Right where you sit, will you all just stand up with me? And I'm going to pass this to Pastor Justin, but I just want to pray for you for just a minute. Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount to reveal who the Father is. And I just want to ask you, would you receive who the Father is today? That He is watching, and He's not watching so that He can swat you with a fly swat. He's watching you so that He will respond in love and in power. His grace is sufficient for you. He wants to respond with grace. He wants to respond with provision, financial, health, relational, marriage, jobs, anger, uh, divorce, um, depression, uh, bipolar. What have you got? He's the answer. Would you bring it to the Lord? You can bring it right where you sit or you can come up here and we can pray with you. But the key is God, God is a rewarder of those that are doing. We've got to do. Let's start today and let's do. We just submit ourselves to you right now, Father. And again, we just place ourselves on the potter's wheel and say, Lord, we are so bumpy and we've got so many cracks and we've got so many issues. And Lord, we need your help. Help us.